Hi, my name's Rachel and welcome to the Narrative Labyrinth. Here in this small corner of the audio internet, we delve into film, TV, literature and games with in-depth review, discussion and analysis. As I said, I'm your host Rachel and today I'm joined by... Amber Palastides! I love how wonderfully you said that. That was definitely a superhero entrance. (laughs) Thank you. Which is very fitting and I think then makes me the villain in this. (laughs) We're here to talk about the societal impact of the Joker across his kind of movie history and a bit of comics because I'm a nerd and I like comics. And I think that's just pop culture now. So it's not nerdy anymore. Ha! People in high school, (laughs) I win. Anyway. You you do. You're ahead of the game. I was. I was a trendsetter. (laughs) Said nobody ever. So Amber, uh, what made you a qualified guest to come and talk about this today, other than the fact I just badgered you to do so? (laughs) Well, like you, I'm a fellow geek who still thinks of myself as a geek, despite being more mainstream now that everybody is a geek a little bit. And also, I just qualified as a a therapist, a psychotherapist. So I've got some psychology and some social psychology behind me. Um, And you've been on The Great Derelict, uh, run by Andy, who is a a sometimes regular-ish guest on this show. And I think you did, I think we did a podcast together about Darth Vader. Am I making that up? Am I making shit up? No, no, I think you're right. No, No, it was. It was right after that um, Obi-Wan series came out. We were talking about the psychology. Yeah, Yeah, of of Obi-Wan, I think. That was it. PTSD with lightsabers. Yes. It was great, though. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, you guys brought up some really interesting angles I hadn't thought of it from. Go listen to I the episode, remember. people. Yeah. We, we clearly don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. <laughs> it was riveting, I swear. <laughs> promise, promise it was great. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're here today to talk about Joker or The Joker, not just the 2019 film, but the character as a whole, as they kind of spanned comics and movies. And I'm going to say they're quite... Uh, a key fictional figure of the 20th century and into the 21st century? They are. Yes. I, w- I was going to question your use of they, because I think the Joker has been exclusively a he, but I think you meant all of the he's, all of them. Well, I mean, I did kind of mean all of the he's, but now you've brought it up. There is one version of the Joker where it is Martha Wayne, Bruce Wayne's mum, but that's like an oh, alternate yes. version of. Um, true. So my plan is to kind of leave most of the alternate versions out of this because we mm-hmm. could be here forever talking about <laughs> different variations of the Joker um, from different time periods or different versions of Batman or DC Universe that they've kind of done. True. And while interesting, no one wants to listen to a 10-hour podcast and I don't want to edit a 10-hour <laughs> podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, Part-timer. I know. I have a rule where a podcast shouldn't be longer than the thing you're commentating on. Like I saw one the other day that was like five and a half hours about Doctor Strange. And I'm like, the movie's only like an hour and a half. (laughs) It's impressive or no, let's stick with impressive. Yes, it's impressive. I mean, it's impressive that you can say that many things about a movie that's like women do shit, get no credit, are the MacGuffins. See, 30 seconds, done. (laughs) I clearly have opinions on the new Doctor Strange that I should keep to myself or for another episode. For another episode. I would love to hear more about that. Excellent. Well, there you go. America Chavez could have easily been a cup. Did nothing. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. That aside, I'll put my Marvel mm-hmm. rage aside, um, which is apt because I'm about to talk about DC, the superior <laughs> of the two main comic publishing industries. Well, you're not wrong. Their their people tend to be better. Their stories tend to be better. Their comics are definitely better. It's just the movies. The movies are, eh. I mean, the DC animated universe is extremely good and DC animated properties have been amazing for kind of, I guess at this point, 30 years. Um, But yeah, Yeah. their on-screen cinematic universe has definitely lacked, I think. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to go into the most recent uh, Batgirl situation and the Batgirl movie (laughs) because... Again, that's that's a 10-hour podcast if we start talking about that right now. <laughs> Luckily, though, it seems they've done pretty well with the Joker. That's one character I think that they've done justice to. Yeah, it's one that I think's had um, many iterations over the years. So the Joker started as kind of like a one-hit wonder villain for Batman in the 1940s, just kind of, well, 1939, technically, um, as like a remorseless serial killer, jewelry thief, um, that used kind of the Joker playing card as a motif. Low-key, monster of the week style villain um, that had kind of this facial disfigurement left on their victims. But that was kind of, they were, they were a one-hit one hit villain in kind of Batman's rogue gallery. They were one and done, fine. Despite that kind of messy start point, they've endured to be the kind of main nemesis of Batman. I don't think that's unfair to say. If you think of Batman, you think of Joker. Absolutely. I think he's appeared in more movies and TV shows with the Batman than any other villain. Including having his own movie, which is quite, you know, to have a villain have their own movie, even though the movie is not really related, you know, to be that strong a character as a villain is quite impressive. DC Comics were quite dark in the 1930s, 40s and and the start of the 50s. However, this all changed with a comic code authority because um, they were under a lot of pressure, um, as lots of people were in the 50s. Kind of censorship became a big thing. Um, and there was a huge backlash um, that kind of, and hysteria, mass hysteria that comic books were kind of the reason for the rise in juvenile delinquency and violence and homosexuality in young men. So it was all comics' fault. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I know. So this is like the Hayes Code, but for comic books, basically. Um, yeah. And they massively then censored comics and they really kind of had to temper them down. So they banned gore, innuendos, excessive violence, which strips kind of the Batman of a lot of his, you know, grrr. Yeah. <laughs> so originally, yeah, Batman was his vigilante. It was quite dark. And you think at that period in time, it was coming out of the second world war we were still having the war in korea was still a thing the start of the cold war it was quite a grim reality and comics reflected that but it all changed in the mid 50s right the way through to the 70s we had this kind of goofy trickster cuddly uh, world of comics and the joker reflected that and turned into this kind of goofy like a clown the joker became a clown that had kind of vague homicidal tendencies on the side but like ha 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 pies in faces ha 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 um but in 1973 okay wait, wait, wait. you you glossed right over did that actually help uh did it really. lower crime rates did it lower homosexuality rates did it lower Do you anything? know what there's there's no evidence i can find that it did okay in a shock to oh nobody what? yeah i know <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> Banning comic books was not the thing that stopped massive amounts of violence coming out of the bloodiest <sighs> war in history. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> I'm glad you're so shocked by this revelation in American history. 
and the 1966 Batman movie was very camp and kiddie and yeah. pow. The pam. shark repellent. The shark repellent. Um, and that's where it all comes from. <laughs> Luckily, by the 70s, they kind of realised that maybe comic books were not the reason for this growing violence and kind of the comic code disappeared a bit. Um, and it wasn't until 1973 that Joker came back and was kind of this impulsive homicidal maniac who was at this point pitted uh, wits against Batman. So it was this point where he became Batman's arch nemesis in the 70s. Although the Joker was still used pretty sparringly over the years, they didn't overdo it. I think there's definitely possibly a bit of that going on later. But at this point in time, he was still used quite sparingly um, as, a, as a character. But DC was going through a lot of experimentation at that point in time. And in 1975, the Joker was the first villain to have his own comic book. So that's like, I feel we should give it a little round of applause. So that's well done. You know, that's how much they, they felt guess. for this character and how much love there was for this character. And then we got kind of the 80s, got darker again. You had Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, which reimagined Batman as this older hero. You had the Crisis on Infinity Earth series. This is kind of like deemed a modern era. But this is the Batman and Joker that we think is a lot of the, the basis of the Jokers we see today. Alan Moore did the 1988 graphic novel, The Killing Joke, which was like a Joker origin story where mm-hmm. the character was described as a failed comedian who adopted this identity of Red Hood to support his wife and then fell into a vat of chemicals and thus became the Joker. And we've had lots of one shots since then, but that's kind of the basis of the Joker. So he did start as this like gritty murderer, then became the goofy clown and then went back to this kind of gritty person again. So we're obviously mainly talking about movies here today because it's what people want to hear more about. And there's so many comics. There's too many comics to read through it all and kind of give a real. So many. Um, (laughs) But going back to the 1966 Batman, the -hmm. Joker in that was was a clown. It was a comedy clown that was up to hijinks. (laughs) Yes. I think his opening scene, he was pulling a bunch of flowers out of his sleeve. Yeah, and he had like a gun that when he pulled it went bang with a little flag. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I hadn't realized until I was looking at pictures for this podcast, but he has a mustache under his makeup. He does. It's 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 a real (laughs) it's a real clown persona that's that's kind of put on this Joker. Um, Mm -hmm. And while I don't particularly think that's much of a reference to kind of the lifestyle of the nineteen sixties. I think that is very much a result of the comic book code and this kind of kiddified version of the character. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at what was happening in the 1960s and it was a lot of big, dark stuff. That was Vietnam War. That was civil rights protests, assassination, you know, John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King, Cuban Missile Crisis. It doesn't reflect at all. The culture is more of a smile pretend nothing's happening look look funny slapstick <laughs> which is interesting because i think we often particularly think of batman films and joker to be far more representative of what's going on and the opinion and feeling of people at that point in time except this early version mm-hmm. which doesn't have any of that it's almost a look over there look over there look at this shiny exactly. thing over there <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, kind of fits. I mean, as the the magician slash clown, he was about distraction and 
well, I guess normal clowns are about distraction and maybe that's part of what made him stand out from the other villains. It's unequivocally bad, the 1966 <laughs> Batman. Um, my, <laughs> I remember having to watch it for my uh, master's thesis mm-hmm. and really struggling to, to kind of <laughs> equate these characters and this performance to kind of the characters from the comics and the stuff that is loved now. Um, mm-hmm. But I think people often like certain people like this is the true Batman. This is what it should be. It should be Adam West in his in his <laughs> leggings um, and all sparkles and joy. Um, but I think that's a very, very small representative point of comic culture from like the 50s mm. to the 70s by this comic code. So I think actually the 1966 Joker is the most false out of all of them. I can go with that. It's it's. I can't say for sure it's my least favorite because they're not done evolving the Joker, but yeah, I think out of the list, he's the one I would least likely go back to watch for. I'll agree with that. So if we move chronologically forward, that takes us to the 1989 Batman film, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the cinematic birth of of the modern Batman and the start of the modern Joker, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I would go with that. Uh, obviously Tim Burton directed and confession here. I actually don't like this film. <gasps> oh yeah. I'm okay with that too. <laughs> oh really? Oh cool. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I don't remember being in love with it. No, uh, for me, and this is very mm-hmm. cinematic, I guess a cinematic wanky point here is I felt like mm-hmm. it, the sets had a very airless quality. There was no, soul or spirit it felt very much like they were on soundstage sets which is something yeah. i don't particularly enjoy um but yeah we had the the joker in batman 1989 mm-hmm. um and he was definitely more based on the kind of original 1940s joker mm-hmm. he was a bit more evil he committed murder which was a step several. up from yeah, several yeah murder many. Like a whole... Many murders, but it was like yes. in a fun, jokey way. So it's okay. Ha ha, murder. Everybody was smiling. It's all right. Yeah, and obviously Jack Nicholson has quite a memorable performance, but the Joker itself is quite polarizing as a character. Again, not something I personally love, but mm. I know lots and lots of people find it as their antithesis and their kind of preferred Batman, uh, their preferred Joker. Um, and hmm. style. Well, one of the big things that I read while I was looking at these jokers was there's a recurring theme that society gets the criminal it deserves. And in the 1980s, status was very much a thing. I mean, it has been all along, but in the 1980s, you collected artworks and you got big houses and you got nice cars. And so the fact that the Joker defaced all these priceless or or precious things in the museum actually got more of a a haranguing from the um, critics than the murder of all the people during the parade. 
That is such an so, antithesis of 80s yuppie culture, isn't it? Not right. the artwork. Fuck <laughs> the, the people. Art. But exactly. not the precious art. <laughs> the people are replaceable. People are having babies all the time. But the masters, they created a finite amount of precious beauty. A representation of the culture and the society. And he ruffled a lot of feathers by not holding the same values as America at that time. So I think it's fair to say that the 1989 Joker in that case is quite anarchistic in his own way. Although watching it with a modern lens, Mm -hmm. I don't think he comes across that way. But if you frame it in that kind of 80s space, Mm -hmm. as you say, destroying artwork, that's that's quite counterculture for the time. Yeah. I mean, even though he really fits into the culture, it, I'm, when I think of the 80s, I think of the really bright colors. Everything was gold or yellow or bright purple. And he really fits in with that ostentation. You know, everything he does is big. He really likes attention. And yeah, I I, I feel like in that way, he, he fits with our expectations of a baddie. But then he goes and subverts by destroying what he's, you know, baddies, they just want to get everything that the good guys want, but they want to get it faster and easier. But then he goes and destroys it. So it is very chaos oriented and anarchy. And I think the Joker is always the 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 other side of the coin to Batman. And Bruce mm. Wayne in this is a billionaire playboy. Well, millionaire, billionaire. Uh, inflation yeah, um exactly <laughs> and joker is not he's not portrayed that way he's a hitman for someone else so he's not even the head of the of the problem he's mm. a tool to deliver and interestingly i guess in this one this is one of the only ones where we really get the backstory, backstory. of the joker or the yeah mm-hmm. the joker is someone else and lots of other versions of the joker who who he is or who he started as is irrelevant but not in this version it's like built into the story and the character character narrative yeah jack is jack napier i think um yes yeah (laughs) yeah it was really interesting i I was reading up a little bit on him but it was just the character of jack napier it looks like he turned into the joker because he felt wronged by the system he felt wronged by his boss carl and then as soon as carl actually did something to to hurt him he felt re-wronged and then all of a sudden he could justify all of his hate towards carl and the institution he was embedded in the gang and then he could he was free then to to do exactly what he wanted and that's when he really transitioned into the joker was when he was free to be the person he always wanted to be but wasn't allowed to be which is again such a commentary on pushing against culture and representing counterculture Despite the fact he's trying to poison all of Gotham. There's this weird thing that the Joker is always trying to poi- poison Gotham yes. mm-hmm. as a as a device. Um, something else that comes up a lot through the Joker is him trying to disfigure people to look mm. like himself, which is a really... Yeah. I'm quite glad that's something they've dropped um, in more kind of modern versions, but certainly it was a thing in the, in the comics and then in the 89 film about kind of trying to disfigure people with this permanent mm. smile. I always thought that was part of his narcissism. He wanted everybody to look more like him because he considers himself the epitome of what everyone should be or what the world should be. Oh, okay. I I thought it was trying to make people as 
as ugly as himself or be mm. ugly as he is. But you're mm. you're coming at it the other way and saying it's actually about <laughs> narcissism, wanting everyone to be like him. Wow. Now that you say that is possible in a, in a misery loves company kind of way. But at the same time, I think the Joker is so ostentatious and so out there and demanding of attention that I, I think it's indicative of a fragile e- ego. And even if really subconsciously he's ashamed or embarrassed of the way he looks, he can't actually consciously think that. And so he must think of himself as beautiful or the standard. So you think this 89 Joker is is yuppie and narcissism personified in a character some of him (laughs) he's uh a lot of parts of him don't really fit very well together the i mean yes he's narcissistic yes he loves attention i think if this was in mod set in modern time he would have you know facebooked it or done some live recording and streaming of the parade so that everybody could see him in all of his glory just like he he deserves to be seen but he's still this anti-counterculture element of of the 80s yes possibly he's not that well written Ooh, (laughs) what (laughs) um i do think it's fair to say that potentially the the complexities of this joker was not necessarily the forefront when they were creating this story well it is still a batman movie it comes to light through the film that the joker is the person that murders bruce wayne's parents oh yeah Mm -hmm. which is I I always find quite a weird decision when writing the Joker to tie the Joker so tightly to Batman's origin. Mm. And I I personally find it quite unnecessary. I don't think they need that kind of infused bond at the start of their life or, you know, at the start of Batman Mm. to then come to heads later in time. Um, I don't particularly feel it adds anything to either character. I find, if anything, it makes it weirder that he doesn't kill Bat- that Batman won't kill the Joker. Yeah, I I can, I mean, I completely agree, but I think it's supposed to make you feel like Batman is a saint, more or less, that he doesn't kill the person who so changed his life in, in the worst way. Do you view him as a saint for not doing that? No, but if I put myself in his shoes and I was looking at the person who killed my parents... I might be tempted. I just, for me, it is just a, a a connection that I don't need between the two characters. I think there's enough rivalry between Batman and Joker to not require <laughs> a kind of yeah. other tie point. Um, but anyway, that, yeah, that's fine. So it doesn't come up in any of the other movies or uh, It comes shows, up, so. like some comic versions have it, some don't. I think it's just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's a weird type point to kind of, making the history of Batman when especially when there's so many other rich things it could be and I think Spider-Man does it as well when the person that kills Uncle Ben um Mm -hmm. like this this start point for these characters and their superhero journey being Mm -hmm. unrelated to their later villains I think is quite important I think that anonymity of the original villain makes the fact that they fight all these different people and all these different scenarios make more sense. Otherwise it's just a crusade for one person or for the person that did one thing rather than a fight for justice. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it, but that is something that I probably will think about now. Well, I think this 89 Joker reflects a lot of kind of the sixties goofiness, even if underneath there's some quite 
darkness in there. Why are you laughing at me? Oh no, I'm just <laughs> I was just laughing at the the Joker. It was just so over the top, quite often over the top. And it was, and that's yeah. I think that's where I where personally I don't particularly like it that much because it's so over the top. But moving away from the eighty nine or the the, mm-hmm. the eighty nine movie, we move mm-hmm. on to I think what most people deem as the most decisive version of the Joker or the most realistic version of the Joker. Is this the animated one? Oh no, but we can't. Uh, which animated oh. one are you thinking? Are you thinking Mask oh. of the Phantasm? Yeah, that whole period, the 1992 animated Mask of the Phantasm, and then it was a more Return yeah, we of can the do Joker. That. Yes, we can talk about those. I didn't know if we could talk about those, but we could definitely talk about those. Mark Hamill <laughs> chewing the scenery as the Joker. Yes. Yes. Um, he was born for this role. Mark Hamill is a great Joker, and I'm always sad <laughs> that we've never seen Mark Hamill do a live action Joker. Um, mm. I can understand why we haven't, but it always makes me a little bit sad that he's been in the animated sphere. And I think it goes back to how well DC have adapted their comics to animation, possibly mm-hmm. better than they've adapted it for live action. Um, but yeah, oh, the Mask so of the much better. <laughs> yeah, Mask of the Phantasm is a fantastic film, animated or not. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about the Joker from Mask of the Phantasm, other than it's Mark Hamill and it's great. <laughs> I think the the big difference between the animated Joker and the the live action Jokers is how much the Joker wanted relationships or connect connection with other people in the animated um, films and and shows uh so mask of the phantasm had uh batman being a proper detective which is in my opinion the best bit about batman is the detective element um Mm -hmm. he's investigating mysterious vigilante who is the phantasm um who's murdering mobsters and joker is kind of uh, quite late in the movie but is the next victim so batman has to protect the joker i know this is kind of off topic but do you think batman goes too far (laughs) do you think batman goes too far in actually saving this man who has killed so many i mean i know batman doesn't kill but why wouldn't he let one person kill a bad guy and then arrest that bad person well so i struggle with this so we've had a lot of the batman doesn't kill because Batman doesn't kill people to save mm-hmm. his world or, you know, that's not how he gets to his end. But he absolutely does kill people in other ways. <laughs> he may not physically stab them or shoot them, mm-hmm. but there is. And to be honest, with the American healthcare system, I just think punching someone really hard in the face <laughs> is basically worse than killing them because they're never going to be able to afford to have that jaw <laughs> surgery or whatever. Like as a billionaire, he's dooming lots of probably quite disadvantaged and and poverty ridden people who are committing crimes in the first place to be mm-hmm. even more so when they can't afford their healthcare bills. Be nice to my hero. Is Batman your hero? <laughs> I like Batman. I like Batman. I think he's such a troubled <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Not that his asshole itself is troubled. I think all of him is troubled. Hey, you don't know. It's possible. <laughs> he might have IBS. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but okay, what if I think about it, if I or someone I loved was wronged by somebody, it's Batman I would want to take care of whoever it was that wronged me. Okay, yeah, I will agree with that. Money doesn't buy you happiness, but it can buy you all the, you know, batarangs and 
back cars you want to fix the problem so well yeah and i think i i know this is this is not painting me in a great picture but superman would be gentle with them i'd really like batman to give him a few punches before taking him to jail but yeah mask (laughs) of the phantasm had a really interesting joker within it and kind of the way that batman had to protect the joker was definitely a choice the animated Joker is a lot more about connections. That's the first time we see Harley Quinn and he's actually in a relationship, like an intimate relationship. And all of his relationships are about power and they're all about using or getting something from the other person. But it's the first time. I don't know if you remember this particular episode, but on Christmas or the Christmas Eve, um, Joker has escaped Arkham and even though Robin thinks it's going to be a quiet night, Batman's saying, no, no, Joker's definitely going to do something. And Joker played cat and mouse with them them all night because Batman is the closest relationship he has. And he didn't want to be alone for Christmas. Ooh. That's, so that's from the anime, the, the, the early 90s animated series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I... I don't remember the episode, but I'm now going to go watch the episode. Um, But I think that's really true. You know, the Joker doesn't, or at least until that point, didn't have any consistent relationships other than Batman. And for the most Mm -hmm. part, hasn't since. Um, Obviously, Harley Quinn was written as a one-shot kind of background character to one episode and tested so well with audiences, they brought her back as his actual partner in crime. Mm -hmm. Girlfriend, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, I, I struggle using the phrase oh, girlfriend oh, and Joker okay. and Harley Quinn, but we'll we'll come to their relationship. Don't worry, that's okay. that's that's okay. that's on my list. That's coming. Um, I like it. So, Mask of the Phantasm having an interesting version of the Joker, and the animated series having a kind of recurring Joker villain that, as you say, builds a lot more on that relationship between the two characters. As actually, they're probably the closest people in each other's lives for the mm. most part. Uh, and then we have Christopher Nolan's 2008 The Dark Knight, which for me mm-hmm. is the ultimate version of the Joker. Ooh, the, the, the one who looks Heath just Ledger. a little bit less. Yeah, he's a little bit less sane than any of the other ones. <laughs> I remember them doing the casting, annou- casting announcement and it being Heath Ledger and people losing their shit over it on the internet <laughs> yeah. being like, no this like heartthrob Hollywood like boy scout no he's not the Joker (laughs) and then seeing him in this trailer and being like holy shit yeah that is that is a long way away from 10 things I hate about you right (laughs) yeah did you see some of the preparation Ledger had to do to get into character yeah I mean he he definitely went method for it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Because he really did all his own makeup as well. Did he? So he, he, he in his in, as part of his preparation, he went to like CVS or other drugstores available mm-hmm. um, and picked up a load of stuff. And he made a point that his, he felt that the Joker's makeup should only be doable out of the stuff he could buy from a standard drugstore. Mm-hmm. And he played around with it a lot and it was all done with fingers and that explains a lot. And then he took that to the makeup department and was like this. And that's why it kind of doesn't always look the same and is quite creepy. Yeah. Well, very creepy. 
Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> and for me, this is, as I said, this is definitely kind of the, the best Joker we've ever had. I think, mm. you know how everyone's like, this is my favourite James Bond. And it's always like the one they remember the most growing up or at like their mm. kind of late teens point where they first watched movies. I think Batman and Jokers are the same. Because for me, my Batman and my Joker are Christian Bale and Heath Ledger. Yeah, I can see that. My my Batman will always be the animated one because that's the one that got me off out of the comics and into the cinema world, even though it wasn't the big screen. It was a silver screen. And I know my students will talk about uh, the Joker film, the 2019 Joker film as being their Joker mm. or the one they recognize the most. And that, again, so that's that's my theory. There's no scientific basis behind that. Well, that just means there's no scientific basis that it's not true. Exactly. So it's right yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Validation. I am Absolutely. right. <laughs> so the 2008 Joker was very, very different to the ones we'd seen previously. He was mm-hmm. a terrorist, basically, yes. I would say. What I what I got from this Joker was... Some people think that... Um, he suffers from low arousal, which means that it takes a lot to get him to, to pay attention, to want to pay attention, to, for him to be interested in it. Um, it's it's actually part of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So anybody, some some people who are constantly, ooh, shiny or distracted, it's just because they suffer from low arousal and they can't stay interested in something unless it's big and shiny and loud. And the Joker in this movie, he creates these things for himself. He gets bored easily and he can't be stimulated. Or, and when I say aroused, I don't mean sexually. I just mean, you know, um, emotionally or interest but you know explosions who isn't really come on for me this joker is anarchy personified he is chaotic to the core he's not trying to take over gotham and he's not trying to have a lot of money in fact he burns money i think that his terrorism is quite prominent in this mm-hmm. and he's a loner you know everything is done on his own in in the opening sequence he kills all the people that he's you know all his crew that are all dressed Mm -hmm. in joker masks are all told to kill each other um you know what's your job well my last job is to kill you or whatever Mm -hmm. um and he's on the end but he's not he's doing it for the chaos rather than for any other reason shown by the fact that he burns all the mob's money part way through the film yes (laughs) that was one of the most surprising moments of the whole movie what the joker wouldn't do that he needs funding a lot of his projects look really expensive i think they have previously i'm not sure they do in this film though his his projects are quite blunt you know he blows stuff up which i guess is not necessarily that expensive i've never tried to blow anything up so i don't know how expensive it is please don't put me on some watch list um (laughs) Uh, really how much does it cost to build a bomb (laughs) i don't know um (laughs) But I think, again, you know, it was a very um, homegrown Joker. His his mm. attitude was very anti-authority, but very homegrown. I think this is quite a... a co- well, We, I mean, the very famous um, shot in Batman Begins, I think, or is it this one, where Batman is stood amidst the rubble and it, it looks like a 9-11 homage mm. where he stood in the rubble of this, of this skyscraper in this building. 
and mm-hmm. a lot of the the Dark Knight series has lots of kind of nine eleven or or kind of the war on terror metaphors and stuff like that, and the whole chaotic evil of the Joker trying to corrupt the the good that is Harvey Dent, you know, the mm-hmm. the guy that is trying to fix everything the right way, while Batman is fixing things the wrong way, and the Joker is not fixing anything. He is just chaos and anger. It doesn't really have a plan either. There's no kind of it's not I'm going to take over Gotham and run it as the mayor. Or no. <laughs> I'm gonna poison everyone with this fun gas. It's it's just anarchy, and to take down the Batman. I hear you when you say that he's much more about the anarchy and a much more chaotic than the other Jokers. But there is a very focused desire for chaos and for anarchy. He is he's got this goal for. For the world, to, or for the the system to crumble, so that it will no longer oppress the the downtrodden, and and so even though I think he uses anarchy, he's less chaotic than he'd like us to think. A lot of his um, plans actually needed planning and needed attention to detail and needed forethought. So while he's got this philosophy, this moral philosophy. And he doesn't actually have a big overarching plan. He is actually focused, I think. And so do you think that his appearance and his chaotic exterior was very, very manufactured to appear that way? I don't know. I I don't know if it's a skin deep thing or if it was the I don't know. I don't know if the core was something and then what he became later was chaos. And so the core of himself was used to feed the chaos. I don't know. I'd have to, I mean, that would probably be a doctorate thesis, really. I think this, this joke is quite interesting because we get no origin whatsoever. We get no reason for him existing or being like this. It is just, he is here. Well, actually, (laughs) I mean, yes, but no, he tells two different stories on how he got his scars. Do you remember? Well, one of them was abuse, where his father took a knife to his, you know, why so serious and cut his face, I think. And then the other one was he he did it to himself. He, he told somebody that he had take, he cut his own face like that. And I loved that because he's he's not reliable. He's not a good witness to listen to. And the fact that we get so many different origin stories to the Joker just fit right in because if he's not a specific person who came from a specific background because of this, he became the Joker. Anybody could be the Joker. And I definitely think that anybody could be the Joker is very much the style they were going for with this this character in this in this film. Again, this was this was a time that we started to see cyber warfare was far more common well not more common, but you know, it was a, a bigger fear. We feared mm. far more the unknown and the faceless, which I think is what he partly represented places uh, like organizations like anonymous Mm -hmm. you know work to their own motives as an anonymous force that Mm -hmm. there is very little planning on what they're going to do or Mm -hmm. appears that way and i think you can see kind of that style but anyway that's 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 a side point but yeah i think i think the 08 dark knight is very much a post 9 11 war on terror look at the joker Mm -hmm. and i love it (laughs) um and we don't see the joker again until 2016 so it's another quite big jump before we see the joker in in live action for obvious reasons and the joker kind of makes an appearance in the suicide squad (laughs) i had purposefully forgotten about that one 
Well, Jared Leto's Joker is very different again, but came with this far more ostentatious style. I mean, there's that shot where he's literally, he's purposefully placed his knives and guns fanning out from him in a kind of holy halo. Which honestly, who's has fucking time for that? (laughs) Almost like wings, but full circle. When you don't have a nine to five job, you got to get creative with your time. So I think the Joker that we see here is very, um, I'm not even going to say vindictive, but evil. He comes across far more evil than any of the other versions in the way he talks to people, in the way he interacts with people. And this is the first time we see him in live action with Harley Quinn. And obviously his treatment of Harley Quinn is interesting. Body language, he is very controlling, very um, physically, very dominant. So he grabs her by the neck or Mm. by other places that gives him. He has all the power in their interactions. The power is his and she is very much his Mm. plaything within that space, which we know is kind of the the theory behind the, you know, he created Harley Quinn. He, you know, Harley Quinzel was a was a doctor of psychology that worked in Arkham Asylum and was assigned to the Joker and he slowly corrupted her through his masterful sexy charm, mm. corrupted her to let him go and then become his psychic. And and in this one, we go back to dipping people in vats of acid or vats of chemicals to make them. Why mess with perfection? Well, because it wasn't perfect. That's why. Oh. Stupid. <laughs> So it's a lot like the Joker from the animated series. Do you remember when he threw Harley Quinn out into the street when she was in her lingerie? Yes. It's mm-hmm. it's a bit like that. Yeah, it's more like that. Um, okay. She she is very much an accessory to his life rather than his partner. Yeah, definitely yeah. a lack of empathy. I wonder <laughs> if that's <laughs> Well, I wonder if that's a commentary. I I mean, part of I think everybody's problem with the world is how little empathy there is. So do you think that's an intentional commentary on how men in relationships don't have empathy or how people in relationships don't have empathy or just how we in general do not have empathy? I think I think this movie was written by men, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. don't I don't think <laughs> that they're commenting on the lack of empathy in men in relationships. Oh, you don't think they're that 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 progressive i don't think they're that self-aware to be honest Ooh, i shouldn't say that but yeah it's true (laughs) but you've said it now (laughs) but i said it Um, and i meant it so yes (laughs) um but they continue this kind of so talking more about harley quinn they continue her journey Mm -hmm. with the the harley quinn film i'm the whole title's really long i'm not just i'm just gonna call it the harley quinn movie the birds of prey movie which is great um and very much sees her overcoming the joker and his stranglehold on her and her her life and kind of accepting the awful things that he's done to her um and then you have the animated series harley quinn even though he is very obviously the dominant one there was an episode where she teamed up with batman and batman asked her why do you stay with him when he hurts you or when he doesn't treat you very well and she said something like well i love him and so it's very much a it's a parasitic relationship but it is mutual she she chooses to be there so yeah she needs they both need psychological help of course but she would really benefit from it she needs therapy is what you're saying yeah she does (laughs) maybe even psychiatry she might need drugs at first (laughs) 
<laughs> Drug them all. Drug them. <laughs> For their own good. <laughs> um, and then that, that Joker is seen in the Zack Snyder Justice League and the Suicide Squad because we have Harley Quinn back again. But that mm-hmm. feels far more a focus on her overcoming him than him himself. He is very much a background. I know that we're talking about doing a, a Batman movie as part of the Zack Snyder series where the Joker was in it properly, but it just never happened. Mm-hmm. But that brings us to the most recent version of the Joker, which is this 2019. Well, I haven't watched it. I have read the synopsis and I've kind of gotten an idea of what other people were saying and kind of formed my own opinions, which is very unprofessional. Don't ever do that. But um, <laughs> apparently what's so scary about Joaquin's Joker is that he could, again, he could have been anybody, you know, he was, so he had mental illness and thanks to the government, he was receiving therapy. He was receiving medication. Um, and all of a sudden that was ripped away when they decided to stop having, you know, giving these things out for free. And so somebody who was already struggling just had the support taken away. And it was at the same time that he found out his, uh, spoilers, <clears throat> he found out that his mom wasn't his real mom and he just lost everything and he he was he cracked. He turned into the Joker because everything that kept him sane and safe and the help he, that he had put all of his hope into was just gone. And and the scary thing is that that could happen to any of us. We all have a little anger and violence inside of us and what would it take for it to come out explosively? And I think what's interesting again about this one is they try to give us a origin story almost for the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, but not a Joker that actually fits within a superhero universe. This Joker is quite separate. This is the most there grounded no version. Yeah. yeah, it's a cape-free movie, which... Um, yeah. You know, Nolan always said he was doing the most kind of realistic version of these characters. And this one is definitely set in the real world even more so. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like to think it's a commentary on what would happen if you took away even the barest minimum universal healthcare. The advantages of universal healthcare and what they could be. (laughs) I don't know. Did Americans write this? So Todd Phillips is is the writer and director. So he directed things quite differently, like Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch. School for Scoundrels, the Hangover series. So really? quite a, yeah, quite a comedy background to then to come then and direct. Take, yeah, the Joker, who has been comical in the past and to make very little funny about it. It isn't it, but he joined he joined uh, so he so Todd Phillips joint wrote it mm-hmm. uh with Scott Silver, who has written completely opposite styles of movies so he has written mod squad eight mile the fighter it's a far more grounded Mm. gritty films most batman movies came with their own controversy the 89 movie came with controversy over it being a pg-13 despite being at the time quite dark the dark knight came with its controversy of casting heath ledger Mm. and his subsequent death um Mm. the suicide squad came with its controversy of being shit um (laughs) And this came, you know, I think it's all superhero movies come with controversy, but this one particularly. So I guess the the question is, is this a ode to violent incel incel white men or is it complex humanity? Which one of the two is it? Um, Arthur wanted to be seen. He 
he was going to a therapist. He was a stand-up comedian. He just wanted people to know him, to, to not be repulsed by him. And he never got that. He didn't get it from anybody. And he became the Joker. So yeah, I think a lot of what the Joker is actually saying is that we've got roles and and if we have members of our society who descend into violence as a last resort, or we have people who blow up in rage and mass shootings and bombs and whatever, is that because we did we weren't humane to them? Is that because we didn't do our parts in being human to our fellow humans? Like the first thirty minutes is all the bits you talk about. It's Arthur the character Arthur, mm -hmm. um, who is the Joker, is kind of shat upon from a great height. Um, mm -hmm. It's all doom and gloom. But then kind of the next, the middle section of the film is very much a, a which is his delusion and which is real. Mm -hmm. With lots of kind of Scorsese references. And, you know, it doesn't quite get as far as hallucinogenic dreams, but it certainly starts to, you know, what what's 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 him and, and, and what's his and what's reality, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um and then the end kind of is deemed a little bit more confusing i guess because it's kind of it's a bit of a message of the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and more downtrodden but that's never really kind of put together the joker doesn't put those pieces together mm -hmm. um he starts kind of a movement after after murdering some frat boys but he said he's not political he just likes killing people so there was no moral to take away is that the so it's kind of set in this kind of fake 1970s New York, but there's mm -hmm. no, it's not a place. It's not strictly Gotham. It's not now. It's not then. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a very muddily nothing mm -hmm. of time and space, which, I mean, we do have in movies. That's fine. You know, we do see that. That's not unusual. Mm -hmm. um, but then to take those very modern themes, are you taking modern themes or are you perpetuating a, a, a poor culture? I guess. Poor as in bad, not poor as in underpaid. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really like how they... I felt like they were blaming mental illness for what happened to the Joker. And and that's not fair. I think that people with mental illnesses are... Actually, statistically, they're much more likely to suffer from crime than to commit it. Well, he and starts as the one suffering from it and then turns that around. And then he kills hundreds or at least dozens or and he starts a movement, you're right, to of these clowns. And it's just yeah. Are they perpetuating this fear mongering, this us versus them? Are they saying, Be careful, don't don't provoke that guy, he could turn around and shoot you. I think this film could have really held a mirror up to the system and how syst the system lets people down when they're at the most vulnerable, leaving them with no option, which mm -hmm. is essentially how Arthur finds himself. Mm -hmm. But instead of doing that, they push the look at the crazy guy. He goes shoot people, bang, bang. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people are OK with that or it was deemed acceptable by by the public, not by the, the legal system, but by the public who who rallied behind that. And I think. I think that's starting to get into a dangerous place, as you say, with kind of mass shootings and stuff where they are, particularly in America, and that whole kind of um, violence that we are seeing in modern in modern society. Mm -hmm. I think this I think this could have been a really clever held up to that, and I think instead it actually just perpetuates a culture. Ooh, interesting. I think ironically, the Joker in this plays the role that most of the Batmans 
are in their movies. The Batman is upholding the status quo of society mm. by trying when the Joker is the anarchist trying to change it by the wrong methods, but is trying to change it. But in this, mm-hmm. the Joker is not. He is. Yeah, I can see that. But this Joker movie is getting a sequel. Is it? It is. And no. it's supposedly a musical. What? Like, like, oh. Who was the guy who, he was played by Johnny Depp and they made pies from humans? Sweeney Todd. That's the one. Like Sweeney Todd? Um, I don't know. Very little has been said about it, which I think is interesting because from what I can see, their core audience is that very heterosexual white male group yeah. who maybe their most vocal members feel that they are losing space in the world too. Yeah, I can't imagine them wanting to go see a musical. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm quite intrigued as to why that's the why that is potentially the direction they're taking. I think I'm yet to find anyone femme presenting who really loved this movie. And I've asked lots of of women and none of them have said anything good about this movie. Hmm. I think this movie has a very particular audience. Um and I think it hits that audience, but I'm 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 yeah, at what cost? At what mm. cost? Um, <laughs> I mean, I have a certain morbid curiosity, but right? That's yeah. that's maybe that's what they're hoping for. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, I'm going to ask you now as the okay. as the as the professional giving me their personal opinion. I think the joke has evolved through time to reflect society's fear. Mm-hmm. Would would you agree with that? I would absolutely. He's he's definitely changed. He's he's not the same person, even though he wears roughly the same makeup. He's really different in his aims, in his attitudes, in the style in which he moves and speaks and treats other people. I definitely think he changes with the time because he seems to be accepted and loved, or or love hate with each generation or each section of people that he deals with. So yeah, he must evolve with the the evolution of the societies that watch him. And do you have a favorite, well, do you have a preferred version of the Joker (laughs) that exists? Only because the animated one is my favorite. Batman is, he's my favorite Joker. Plus, you know, Mark Hamill. Yeah, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Mine is still the 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 more grounded. The Ledger. Yeah, the Ledger series. No, I, I really get that. But the Ledger Joker scares me because he was so unpredictable because he was a terrorist. It wasn't, I mean, the Joker never targeted people. He was always indiscriminately violent. But I don't know. It's just something about Ledger. Made it scarier. <laughs> I mean, they would all kill you without even thinking about it, but somehow dying by Ledger's machinations would just, it would be worse somehow. I feel it would hurt more. I don't know why. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, I think, I think Ledger's Joker is definitely the scariest because I think it feels the one that is most likely to be real mm-hmm. as much as real is in this sense. And I say that including yeah. the, the, the the joker uh Mm -hmm. movie that is obviously completely set in faux reality 
capeless reality. <laughs> um, but maybe that's because actually that Joker is representing what already exists or certainly what we perceive to exist. You know, the news is already mm-hmm. filled with mass shootings or, you know, yeah. war and genocide or mental health being not yeah. taken as a, as a, being taken as something that can be underfunded and they're mm-hmm. all things that already exist there's no escalation all that's different between that joker and reality is the face paint yeah you're right we're already desensitized to that kind of danger because we live with it every day where the dark night certainly felt like it was an escalation of that state that we were already in and i think even 14 years later oh god that's depressing <laughs> <laughs> why did you say that <laughs> <laughs> Why Quick, I... move on, yeah. move on. <laughs> no, my arthritis in building in my. <laughs> um, even you know, more than a decade later, that feels better. All right, yes. Um, <laughs> um, you're the Dark Knight. Even more than a decade later, I still feel those themes are still relevant. Mm-hmm. And whether that's because we as a society haven't moved past that point whether we're still stuck in that fear, that terrorist fear post nine 11 mm-hmm. um, or not. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm qualified to, to say either way. Um, There's but I've been a lot of terrorist accents then. I mean, the Boston marathon and the one in London bridge and the one in Paris and just kind of all over. It's not centralized. It's not something that you're safe in because you're in one place or another. No, I mean, we had the Manchester Arena attacks, mm. uh, you know, and that was only in the last four years or so. I mean, I heard the bomb from from <gasps> my home. That was terrorism is still such a thing that is embedded in our life. And I mean, fuck's sake, in the UK, we still don't really have bins at our train stations because mm-hmm. of of that kind of thing. So I I still think that I think that Joker mm-hmm. still represents more terror than the than the one that represents that is representing our current reality with some face paint. (laughs) And, and no offense to Nicholson's Joker because he was creepy and he did, you know, fascinate people, but he invited people to a, a parade and promised them $2 million. I think maybe you don't go if a serial killer is promising you money to go somewhere. Oh, you say that, but I have seen the previous American president. (laughs) Man. Okay, Brexit. Jeez. Yeah, like I'm not. <laughs> Look, my I I know I'm throwing no, stones right. from my glass house. You're right. Um, okay, fine. My point was invalid, but <laughs> it sounded good in my head. So I think the problem with the Jack Nicholson Joker is now we have mm-hmm. NFTs. It's not really a thing he can destroy. No, I've coloured in your picture on paint. <laughs> Society's over. Um, uh, there's that, I think the people that love uh, art in that way has got quite small and I think mm-hmm. it's definitely that yuppie 80s style that is just not yeah. as prevalent as as the world is as, as stuff is now I guess mm-hmm. um, so yeah fine <laughs> if Joker is a representation of fear and the biggest threats in society mm-hmm. where does it go from here how can it how can it progress from here Ugh. <laughs> That's a really hard question. I know. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, um, well, how about, because I assume you've put some thought into this, you give me your your ideas and I'll quickly try to think of some of my own. 
<laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, except I did this in my previous episode and my idea was better than other people's. And ah. they <laughs> that was the musicals when I was like, what show would you wish had a musical that hasn't? And I was like, I've got mine. It's TNG. And they all went, fuck. Like, nothing, nothing could be as good as my suggestion. And it was you know, fine. I'll go first. It's okay. Um, I actually think they've struggled with where to go with the Joker. Mm. Um, the kind of Snyderverse Joker didn't really represent much, you know, didn't represent fear and terror quite in the same way, but was also never the lead villain, was always kind of like a side point or something to reference within that universe. Mm. Um, and they used Lex Luthor instead. And I actually think the Lex Luthor they used was really interesting. And I know lots of people had very device opinions on Lex Luthor, mm -hmm. but he was definitely playing a Bezos, Zuckerberg, Musk, Elon Musk mm -hmm. style person that owned everything and could, could do these horrible things at a whim and pit people against other people for the sake of their own gain. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they, they didn't use the Joker. They used, Lex Luthor and that's a great departure from Lex Luthor who in the nine in the 60s Superman movies was <laughs> setting off a chain of earthquakes to separate California from the rest of America oh, I remember that to yes. increase the beachfront <laughs> line to sell more beachfront properties yeah. <laughs> I, I remember looking up my my house after that movie way after because I don't think the internet was around then but um I would have had a beachfront house more or less well after, basically yeah. Lex <laughs> Luthor was right then yeah. um, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think that that kind of series of DC chose to to use mm -hmm. Lex Luthor rather than the Joker and I and I kind of agree with that because the Joker from from the 08 movie is still probably relevant to that point um and then obviously you've got the Joker who has got this kind of incel fantasy uh, lifestyle. Um, so what they did from here, I don't know, because the comics are still kind of treading that same space, which is mm -hmm. fine. Um, there's alternate versions of Joker, like you have the Joker being Martha Wayne mm -hmm. um, and other such things. But I mean, they could do they've kind of done, you know, Joker controlling satellites. Uh, well, again, they did that with Lex Luthor. So where they go from here is, is difficult. They've got terrorism. Terrorism is still our biggest thing. So maybe another, mm -hmm. um, another version of that, maybe something tied more into, uh, corruption, which I guess we did with, uh, the Batman and the mm -hmm. Riddler. So again, they used the Riddler for that kind of style. Maybe the Joker in movies is not yet ready to come back. I've been trying to think since you asked the question, what is society afraid of? And I mean, the first obvious answers are destruction of the world, um, climate change or just greed. There's a lot of fear of greed right now, either by those pesky others, those lazy immigrants, those, I don't know, poor mental illness people, whatever, whatever, or by the billionaires who just take and take and take and take and don't give anything back ever. And uh, what else? Change, I suppose. There's a lot of fear of change from certain people. So if if I was going to use the Joker, it would be to... But all of those have been done so many times. <laughs> How many times have the superheroes saved the world from certain destruction 
I don't know. Yeah, I might have to go with you and say that we're not quite ready for another Joker yet. The only way I could possibly see the Joker working currently is as kind of a, a misinformation, fake news style. Uh, but again, mm. I'm not entirely sure that fits with the Joker um, mm-hmm. as much as it does with other uh, members of the Rogue Gallery for these mm-hmm. for, the, for, for the superheroes. Yeah. And uh, Wonder Woman had Ares who did the whole fear thing quite well or how mm-hmm. kind of pushing that world war thing yeah so yeah i i think i'm going to agree that the joker is not we're not yet at a point where we've got a thing the joker could be the front of in the same way um oh i might have an idea oh go for it <laughs> so you know how our countries love to view themselves as the good guys and the only reason uh, yep yeah yeah <laughs> yep. <laughs> the yep. only reason we're fighting is because the other ones are bad people. Yep, colonialism so. was everyone else's fault and definitely not Britain. Got well, it? Obviously, yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> America too. We were the good you know, guys. we were the good guys putting everyone in slavery and conquering the world. Yep, yes, we are yes. absolutely the good guys in this scenario. <laughs> You're welcome for all the English stuff that we brought over to your your countries yeah. or whatever yeah and all our and, diseases and, and oh, horrible yeah. religion yep and, you and, can enjoy that <laughs> and america's proudly carried on this tradition we are the world's police slash you know um i don't know rulers soldiers i mean when the aliens come People. down they're going to america we all know that so, <laughs> we all know I that i guess so <laughs> if hollywood's taught me anything it's when aliens land they're coming to america <laughs> that's right <laughs> so but i as guess Superman, <laughs> as man of steel taught me you'll think he's a filthy immigrant and send him away again <laughs> <laughs> so if they were gonna if they were going to use the joker again it would be somehow he's holding a mirror up to the country showing us what we've actually done or how we're actually thought about or the actual ramifications of our well Read. yeah 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 I, I think that would be more disheartening and cause more destruction than anything else at the moment but again, would Poison Ivy not be better for that? Um, possibly. I mean, that For the world, yes. For people, I think it would be Joker. That's fair. So a team-up movie. Oh, yeah. That would be good. It would. Mm-hmm. It would be good. Oh, the movies we're never going to get. I know. <laughs> <laughs> why, do, why do you think so many white men particularly mm-hmm. find the Joker a fascinating icon, you know, an icon or a fascinating person or someone to take in as part of their personality. So, you know, when, mm. when you know, they, they take elements of the Joker. As a personal opinion, uh, I, of course. I imagine <laughs> that a lot of it has to do with the freedom and the power. When you decide that you're not going to obey the rules that everybody else has decided benefits the whole instead of you, then you get to be selfish and you get to be powerful and you get to be feared and that's almost the same thing as respected and and it can be really lucrative when you don't have to play by the rules you can take anything you want and that's really attractive to people who feel especially the people who feel that they aren't getting what they deserve that that because everything has to be fair there's no reason for them to work as hard as they could because they don't get what they've 
So do you think the Joker, to some extent, represents the loss of the American dream that people, you know, the American dream mentality? Do you think the Joker represents that in any way? Or they or they view that as the antidote to the fact they haven't had their American dream? Well, as an American, I'd rather say that he's more of the loss of our dictatorship because the people. I'd like to think that the people who could do whatever they wanted without any repercussions were the emperors or the kings. And you quite famously got rid of the king, though. Yes, we did. (laughs) We didn't kill him. We just we just left him in his own little island. (laughs) No, thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) Keep your tea. We've got (laughs) coffee. Um, but as maybe not an American, yeah, yeah, the American dream is if you work for it, you have it, and it, and you can have anything that you're that you want if you work hard enough for it, and it's all there for the taking. And yeah, I can, yeah, actually, now that you say it, I can see it as the American dream uh, mutated and bastardized. So I think something I personally notice Mm -hmm. is definitely the 89 films onwards Mm -hmm. show the Joker as quite a Robin Hood figure. He is dismantling the rich in whatever version they take or upsetting the inadequacies that he perceives to be there Mm -hmm. and trying to right those, normally by murdering everybody. (laughs) Oh, yeah, nobody can hurt anybody else if they're all dead. But it's equality in, in, in... murder and you think in the 081 he takes money from the banks Mm -hmm. you think we had the crash and the banking crisis at that point Mm -hmm. um in the 89 one he kills the upper classes and destroys the art destroys the art no not the art um and in, in that kind of style and in the 091 he is he is already the downtrodden Mm-hmm. He is already the bottom of the social ladder. So I think, I always think that they're, 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 Joker could be perceived mm-hmm. as this Robin Hood character against Batman, who is the authority, the rich authority. But he doesn't lift anybody up. He tears down the on high, but he doesn't give the money to anybody. He doesn't actually better anyone. So Robin Hood, maybe not Robin Hood, but definitely a force for equality, even if the... Even if everybody ends up in the mud, it's the same mud, so everybody's equal. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I. I mm-hmm. think that's quite a twisted view of it. But yeah. thinking back to how some people love the Joker so much, I wonder if that's what they actually subconsciously what they mm-hmm. see is a dismantling of the system that is maybe not serving them. Yeah, and I think that's why the 2000 uh, the 2019 Joker was such a big film with that demographic is they saw a reflection of themselves and someone riding against it on a personal level. I'm not disagreeing, but I wonder if that was the case, if it would be more minorities and women who flocked to the Joker. Well, no, because it treated women horribly. (laughs) Yes, but if they tear down the patriarchy along with all the other systems that, you know, kept the higher-ups higher up, then the minorities and women would become equals. Well, they did that in Harley Quinn and women and minorities did go and see that. Mm. Or there was mm. there was more of that. It was about taking down a patriarchal 
mob boss. Mm. Okay, then, yeah. So one of the Joker's main characteristics is his quote-unquote insanity. Mm. And in all his kind of main appearances, he's deemed kind of insane or a madman or psychopathic or some sort of disorder that makes him this way. But he's mm. never particularly stated what psychological disorder he has. Um, would you agree with that? I'm, I mean, I'm asking as, a, as your personal opinion as a professional here. I would agree that it's the right thing not to give him a diagnosis because if they leave it broad, he can be anything the storytellers need him to be. But I think each Joker exemplifies different psychoses. Um, I mean, psychopath is kind of a very broad term. It's not actually a medical one. It does. It's not actually a diagnosis, but it is. It it kind of describes a lot of what the Joker is. It's the lack of empathy, um, the overblown self of sense of self, the um, violence. So, psychopath, so while not actually a technical term, is very broad and it covers a lot of of what he is. So, are we saying psychopath covers him as a whole, but is is not a specific term? It is a generic term for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because and we discussed a little bit. He's he's got um well the eighty eighty nine version has elements of narcissism and the uh, leisure version has elements of uh low arousal theory. Gosh, there's there's just so many things. But oh I wanted to mention the two thousand nineteen version, the Joker, the the part where he laughs uncontrollably is actually it's a it's an actual disorder. It's an involuntary emotional expression disorder, and it usually comes from brain damage. And considering that he was abused as a child, um, we're pretty sure that that's what it is, that it's an uncontrollable laugh. And even though it comes at really inopportune moments. So I saw somewhere someone saying that was borderline personality disorder that he was displaying mm. throughout that movie. But I guess that's that's. It could be. I mean, I think the 2019 version goes a lot closer into defining his psychological, yeah, mm -hmm. psychological state, mm -hmm. um, where others keep it extremely broad. And I, I think I prefer it broad because I think it, it allows them to be more, as you say, tailored to to the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that the Heath Ledger Joker is probably the least mentally unwell out of all of them. He or he appears. <laughs> Yeah, I know. No, <laughs> I mean, with all the facial tics and with all the, uh, he was really weird. He was hearing yeah. things and it was just, I think there's so much detail in Heath Ledger's performance. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to tell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that they don't ever give him one specific diagnosis or disorder, I think works. I think that's what's kept the character fresh-ish. Yes. Um, and I think where the... Snyderverse stuff fell down a little bit mm -hmm. on the Joker is he appeared just sociopathic and evil and yeah. that's not that's not quite as interesting no no it, it's really hard to not empathize necessarily but it's hard to invest even hatred towards someone who is so one-dimensional and has no human characteristics for you to latch on to it's it, he is very alien. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good way of putting it. Well, 
and the 08 one, as you said, tells us these stories of his of his past, whether they're mm-hmm. true or not. That's they're humanizing. They give him richness and depth for not only the other characters he's in the narrative with, but us as the audience. Mm-hmm. And I also really like maybe that they haven't given him a specific uh, diagnosis because. I'd really hate for anybody who actually has that diagnosis to then be put into a category with the Joker because not everybody who has disassociation or borderline personality disorder is violent. Most people aren't. Exactly. It's such Mm -hmm. a small... And I think cinema is very poor at doing this Mm -hmm. where it shows someone with a disorder Mm -hmm. and therefore that becomes the default what people think and as someone who is autistic and who hates rain man because people have got this now very one-dimensional view of what autism is Mm -hmm. um i i i I very much appreciate that they've not done that with this Mm -hmm. um and i think yeah i think they need to keep that i would be i think i'd be quite I say upset, but I think I'd be far more dismissive of a Joker character that they did give all these labels to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite the fact within the narrative, he clearly has them because he spends time in Arkham. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about the Joker um, or anything else you'd like to say? No, that's all I've got. I just wish Batman would have let him die. Yeah, basically, this whole podcast is because Batman can't be bothered to kill him, <laughs> which feels Jeez. like a whole, a whole like bro love homosexual like deep rooted um, denial of your own sexuality thing. But that's for another another <laughs> podcast. That's a whole another hour and a half. That's that's yeah. a whole other hour of talking. Um, the only thing I have to say is I like the fact the Joker wears green and purple which are not primary colors they're ter- they're secondary colors um and they are the like the main colors of the world that are not featured on the american flag so he is so anti-american <laughs> he doesn't even wear he wears like huh. an inverted uncle sam outfit huh i hadn't thought about it hmm. you know in the in the animated series when he pulls up his his trousers to to hitchhike and he's got a shapely leg and it turns yeah. out that his spats are actually high heels yep yeah <laughs> i love the idea he's walking around in heels all day i mean i buy it though like, oh yeah especially for the the 90s and stuff like that and that that kind of pushes the other and that kind of drag alternative which yeah <laughs> homosexuality in batman and joker is a whole different podcast <laughs> i'll book you in for season three <laughs> brilliant okay and that's it for another episode of the narrative labyrinth i'd like to thank my guest again amber uh do you have any parting words or anything you'd like to shamelessly plug to the audience i don't i just want to thank you for having me this was a lot of fun yep um excellent uh don't forget to catch the next episode where we'll yet again delve into the depths of narrative on the screen on the page or in the stories we create and play ourselves you can find the narrative labyrinth on twitter apple podcast Spotify, Audible, and a host of other platforms I cannot be bothered to name. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye-bye.